Welcome to the Kingdom Builders Podcast. Hello, hello. Hey, everybody. We are your talkers for the evening. <laughs> the talkers. We are the talkers. We like being talkers. That's who we are. Uh-huh. So I'm Christine. I'm Kim. And I'm Jason. And we have online with us today, Trisha. Introduce yourself. Uh, Trisha Newman from Texas. From Texas. That's fun. Memo. We're from... Otherwise known as Memo. Memo. <laughs> That's so funny. We, we called my grandma Mima instead of Memo, but Mima was her name. Oh. It's the southern thing. It's, we got Mama and Mima and Memo. Right. right. <laughs> That's, That's so funny. funny. So today we're going to um, just do tons of fun questions. So I don't know, Trisha, if you have any questions that you want to ask. Um, I have so many questions. Yes. yes. Okay. We love it. And we have a, a list of questions from other people who are not able to be on live with us because they are not kingdom builders. So if anybody wants to be a kingdom builder and be live like <coughs> Trisha, go to kingdombuilders.com. No, wait. Kingdombuilders.thesourcewichita.com. Boom. Okay. Not boom. No, no, no boom. There's no boom at the end. Just a calm. No, yeah, just calm. No boom. <laughs> okay. So, Trisha, shoot us a question. Okay. So, because I'm so brand new, I don't know what questions are allowed and what aren't allowed. Everything so, allowed. is allowed. Just don't get like too, you know, intimate with your husband sort of questions. But other than that, it's good. <laughs> okay. You'll be like, what are you um, he just made dinner. Uh, okay. Question number one. I've been asking this question for many, many years. Okay. And I've asked several pastors, like I've just asked so many people and I really have not gotten an answer that settles with my spirit. So here's my question. Um, when the Bible says once saved, always saved. Okay. Um, but it also says, um, don't let your uh, lampstand go out right? Don't be lukewarm. It says, you know, like God actually like throws up in his mouth to lukewarm. Right. And so I like how she you, puts that. <laughs> if you go and you, and you go to the altar and, you know, you get saved and you get baptized and then, you know, 10 years down the road, you know, you're at the bar and you're clubbing and drinking and smoking and carrying on still in the world. How is that? What is that? Is it because there was never truly a heart change? I mean, what kind of, I can't get an answer that, that I'm like, ah, that's it. <laughs> I love dealing with this stuff, but I see Jason's like, me, me. Are you no, on? I'm just looking at you. I'm trying to figure out who wants to answer. I want to answer. I always <laughs> yeah. like answering these things. <laughs> yes. Do you want me to answer? Yes. Okay. Please. <laughs> okay. So here's my perspective. Because I've dealt with this like my whole Christian walk too. Like some people, Calvinists especially, big into the once saved, always saved. Then you have this other clan who's like, oh, that's evil. And how could someone say this? And then there's the predestined and blah, blah, blah. We could go into all sorts of weird theology, but I'm not interested in that. So what I am interested in is um, I guess what God has shown me about things, um, especially, you know that I'm... <laughs> Hard into heavenly realms, everything. And so um, Ephesians chapter one says that we are already seated in the heavenly places when we're with Jesus. And the interesting thing is in the heavenly places, we are outside of the timeline. 
And so the timeline, it time exists in heaven, but it's not like it exists here, this ruled by the sun and the moon, right? And so it's a timeline, and God and actually anyone can insert themselves on different points in the timeline. But uh, he already created us with a destiny scroll before the foundations of the earth. And so we all have a destiny that we are, well, supposed to fulfill. Some of us do fulfill it, and some of us don't. Um, but... The interesting thing to me is when I have seen, okay, I'm just going to give my perspective because I've seen a lot of these things in the heavenly places. And so some of it has surprised me and some of it not. So um, first of all, I've seen people in the heavenly realms who are, um, I would never have guessed are saved. Okay. Um, I'm thinking of one person in particular right now where um, she struggles so bad with demonic stuff all the time, um, so much that she's like, I don't believe in any of that stuff, you know, gets into that sort of behavior. But I see her in the heavenly places. And so that confused me for a while until the Lord really reminded me about time and how it is different when we are engaging there and we're outside of time. So what I see is what is outside of what I see in the earth, which is a timeline. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so there are other people who I've seen who are like a, what I would call um, there's potential. <laughs> okay. So they kind of look like zombies, if you will, kind of they're like moving, but look dead kind of at the same time. And then there are other people who somehow they're just, you can see this pure evil on them to where you know there's no coming back for them. And I did not think that that was even possible um, until I saw that in the courts one time. And actually, I've seen it a couple times since then. But I had never seen anyone like that before where I just knew that that was the case. And so anyway, um, you know, the Lord has a way of... (laughs) just wrecking my theology about every day. I was talking about it just today, how he did it again last night. He does it almost every day to me, where I think I have things figured out, and he shows me something totally different. And it always actually lines up with the Bible, but it's not what I've ever interpreted the Bible to be. (laughs) And so, anyway, this is kind of one of those things where he keeps trying to show me new things about it. And so when people are looking at theology from the earth way of being ruled by time, they aren't looking at it from a heavenly perspective and from God's perspective of being outside of time. And so that's kind of, I don't know if that even answered your questions, but that's... Let me me jump in then. So I think what I hear you saying is that, so when we see somebody like at the bar and they're still living the way they were, okay, so this was me, this was my life, right? When I was 14... (laughs) I gave my life to the Lord uh, when I was, ni- I don't remember being 19 because I smoked weed the whole year. Uh, I think between 21. <laughs> she said she was the same. Yeah, between like 21 and uh, 25, a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs. Um, 27, 28, again, drinking. But I had, I had sober stints and I had God stints during those times. And so... 
um, I was back and forth. And so, of course, I was I would question myself all the time whether or not I was saved or, you know, if there was any hope for me, that kind of thing. So you would see me for a year or two in the church, like really after it. And then something would happen and then I would run back to addiction and substance abuse and relationships. And so I looked like a wild child, you know, and I certainly wasn't um, giving Christ a good look in all of my actions. But um, here's what I'm thinking of concerning that. Like, I I truly believe um, that when I was 14, I gave my life to the Lord and I became his. I became his child. Now, I think we all here have children and so um, I haven't seen yet my daughter grow up and be disobedient. But even when our children are disobedient or they're doing something we don't want them to be doing, it doesn't mean that they're not our children. And so I believe that, yes, I was predestined in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world to know him and be conformed into his likeness. And so it, would, it was already written for me that I would be his child. And so... Uh, if it was when I prayed and walked the aisle that that happened, or if it was before then or after then, I don't know. But the, you know, the earthly timeline watching me, you'd be like, this dude's nuts. <laughs> but in the heavenlies, the father's looking and saying, well, he's mine and no one can snatch him from my hand. Jesus says this, I'm in the father's hand and you're in my hand. No one can take you from me. Um, and so what Christina's saying, so in the heavenlies, um, because the father exists outside of a timeline, is that he's he's he is existing in eternity past eternity future right like he's existing outside of the timeline and so you've got um, people who she says she's seen in the heavenlies who she didn't know was saved well based on the earthly perspective perspective she didn't think they were saved but on the heavenly perspective the father is saying yeah she's mine and I'm sorting her out because she's my child and so I think that um, it's easy to to look at that kind of behavior and look at people who are like that and kind of wonder. But I think what it really boils down to is we, we don't really know, or it's just possible that they are the father's child and he's sorting them out in time so that their destiny is that they will be conformed into the likeness of Christ just right now. in this moment in 2019 or whatever day it is, they, they aren't reflecting that yet, but it's God's destiny that they will begin to. Gotcha. Let's uh, let's talk then about the other part of your question and what you were talking about, about this being lukewarm, one foot in, one foot out and being spat out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would also bring up the verse where Jesus says, many of you will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things in your name? And he'll say away from me. I never knew you. So in regard to salvation, where does that fall? Well, I think... Uh, there's a lot to that because a lot of people think that um, if they believe that makes them a Christian and because, you know, we always fall back to, you know, uh, it's not about works, right? Which is true, but the demons even believe and tremble, right? So we know that they're not following Jesus as Lord, as boss, as I'm giving my life to you. They're saying, actually, I'm rebelling against you. And what a lot of people, I would say, so-called Christians do, um, because the Bible even talks about so-called Christians, right? The ones that you see going about and doing all of these things, yet claiming Christ at the same time. And there is some reality to that, because there are a lot of people who claim 
um, to be Christians and have truly never even met the Father. And when I say the Father, I'm not even talking about Jesus, because I would say even a lot of people have um, encountered Jesus and still not been led to the Father by him. And that's the whole reason he came, was to die on the cross to tear the veil so we could go and have relationship with the Father. And so I think that that's a big thing that the church has missed, actually. I think that everybody lumps them all into one and doesn't really understand that Jesus is there to lead us to Yahweh. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. And so relationship with Jesus is essential because we are the bride. You know, we have to know our place as the bride. We have to know that. Um, Most people don't even get that far. Most people are like, oh yeah, I believe he died on the cross. Therefore, I'm going to heaven. And that's their whole (laughs) basis of a faith walk. Uh, let me learn what I should do and what I shouldn't do and still continue to live under the law. Knowledge of good and evil. Right. They're still sourcing from that tree instead of from the tree of life. And so the whole reason Jesus came is to redeem us and make us a new creation that right. sources from the tree of life and not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right, because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? Right. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is that tree of life. Right. Right? Right. He came to give life and life abundantly. Right. Right. Yeah. And so there's so much, I think, that the church has continued to live under the law um, and not understanding that he's the one who makes us righteous. It's not about us doing the right things. And people would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know it's not about doing the right things, but oh my gosh, that person is smoking marijuana. Uh, they must be be totally fake Christians, you know, and it's, it's a totally different perspective. Now, not, Mm -hmm. I'm not condoning anything, please don't misunderstand. But this is about not being the judge, we have to give up our right as judge, we have to say, actually, the father is the judge, and he's the only one who will be the judge. And as soon as we start judging, we start taking back the law, and thinking that we're righteous enough to judge when we only have righteousness under Jesus. So anyway, I could go on for hours. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, so where I come in, as I come in as a mom, uh-huh. uh, we have a 30-year-old, 29-year-old, 27-year-old, 26-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so I come in as a mom saying they're being prodigal right now. Mm-hmm. And so my prayer is, can you, you know, if we can keep them on this side of the dirt until they get it back right again, that would be awesome, right? Because I don't want them, you know, dying in their sin, but you know, right. that's where I come in. I come in like not saying, oh, you this and you that. I come in saying like my children, you know, my, they, yes. they were all saved. They were all baptized. They all accepted the Lord at an age where they knew what they were doing. And mm-hmm. I look at them now and they scare me to death. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, we have an eternity we've been planning for here. So let's all get back on the same page. So that's kind of where I come in. Like, I get nervous for them. Mm-hmm. Right? It makes me nervous. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can't do as a mom for them. Right. And that's, I think, the hardest thing about being a parent, at least for me, has been giving all of all of my children over to the Lord. Like all sounds like I have a lot of children, but I really mean like the entirety of their well-being, existence, salvation, everything. Um, and saying, if I was gone, I totally trust God with them. And 
that's, it's so hard. But what I see is that you have to put their salvation in his hands again, even though they're so close to you. Um, You have to let him still be the one to take care of them um, because it's truly not up to us, even though we do the best we can, you know? Yeah. That, that's true. That's what I needed to hear. I've got to give it back to him. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? <laughs> yes. I have one other question. Okay. So this is one of those. It says this, but what about this? So people, um, people in the world say when, when you die, you go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, hold on a minute. Because Jesus said, no one has been as ascended into heaven except me who came, right? And so it's like, wait, h- how can they go to heaven when we haven't had Judgment Day? How, are, do people die and go to heaven or do they die and they get delivered into Abraham's bosom, right? Where the guy from hell could see them and they could see him and Abraham could even talk to him and the guy could talk to Abraham. Abraham says, I can't come there. You can't come here. You know, the whole nine yards. What, what is all that? If you could tie all that together, what do we go? Do we wait? I mean, what's go- and it doesn't matter. I'm just curious. Right. <laughs> I just want to know, like, because I tell people like, man, I don't really think so. And then they get very passionate about, yes, you do. Because to be absent with the body is present with the Lord. And I'm like, okay, okay, cool beans. I, like, I hear you. But what is, which one is it? Do you know? I think we're already present with the Lord. I mean, even in scripture, it talks about we are citizens of heaven. It says that we are seated at the right hand of Jesus. Like he is seated seated at the right hand of the father and we are seated with him. And we know that's where he is. And that's not a, you will be, that is a, you are, you know what I mean? So what is that day? Where does that fit in? Right. When we're all judged, like how, like, I guess, how can we be in heaven and, and reside in heaven and then judgment day comes and then get judged? Like, how did you get there? you weren't supposed to be there but who says you weren't supposed to be there that's what i would ask you know what i mean like where is it biblically that it says that we're not there or that we can't be there yet you know it's talking about what is to come and it's talking about how the world will be judged right um Uh but it doesn't say that we can't be there yet it says nothing about going to heaven when you die um guys do you want to yeah, well, it, it's a that's a multifaceted question. Uh, Christ- Sorry, no, no, it's, it's totally fine. Christine's looking up some scripture, but um, I think initially the there was a lot of things going on in my mind. I'm trying to figure out when I, where I want to start. So to be absent from the body is present with Christ, but was. I, <clears throat> I guess I'm wondering where in that scripture is Paul actually talking about death? Um, And the other thing is partnering with death. So it says, uh, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so uh, Jesus has defeated sin and death. Um, He went into the grave but death couldn't keep its grip on him. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And so if the spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead is already in us, well, then why should we ever really die? And so I understand people die, like their bodies, you know, they stop working, but to be absent from the body is present with Christ. Like, 
Scripture says right then and there, right? So I just, I wonder, uh, I think Christine's going to talk a little bit about this, about, um, you know, ascending um, when you pass. Actually, that's not what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about judgment. Okay, we'll talk about judgment. Okay. I just want to say this because this was part of my, well, hold on a second, uh, responses. Because it says the dead in Christ will rise first. Well, if we're already there, where are we rising from? That's my question. Like, well, yeah. wait a minute. How can we rise if we're already up there? We're right. So that's, I just, let me throw that one in there too. Okay. No, it's, it's yeah, good. It, this good is questions. really valid questions. Let me just address that before I go into the judgment part because it's fun. Um, but um, we are very much like God in that we are threefold beings. Okay. So we have spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is already seated there. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions that's here in this realm right now, which that is where we can, uh, at this point in our life, okay, we can ascend with our soul to the heavenly realms and see what's going on, just like you did in the mobile courts, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing in our soul. We're focusing there. And we're focusing in a different realm that is reality. Our body right now is still in the earth realm. And right. so even if the flesh dies, there will be a time where resurrection comes. And so the dead will rise and they will be resurrected. And that will then be able to ascend. Now, people can already do that. We've seen Enoch and Elijah in the Old Testament who already are in heaven with their bodies. Right. And so there, there is a way to bypass death. And that is something that uh, many of us are coming in line with now. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the side of judgment, just let me do this, because I, it's one of my favorite passages, actually. It's in the um, book of John. It's, one of, okay. it's so crazy, because this is like one of, I don't know, one of the first verses I ever memorized in the Bible, which I never know where anything is, okay? But I yeah. happen to know. <laughs> are you excited for me? I don't cite yeah. things ever. I'm excited Okay, so this is John chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 24. And I just love that it talks about this. It talks about the judgment and all of that. Um, Are you ready for me? Is that good? Okay. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly I tell you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he is granted to the Son to have life in himself. And he has granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, I'm just going to stop there, but we know that we are, um, Jesus was the firstborn of many sons, right? right? So we have been grafted in as Gentiles, as Jews, as sons adopted into his kingdom. And so we are just like Jesus, but he is still above us, of course. Let's just be clear. But he is the king of kings, but we are kings. 
And we know that we are the royal priesthood. So we are royal and priests. We're just like Melchizedek. And so anyway, if you look at this where he has passed from judgment, and it says that even we have passed into eternal life and don't come under judgment, what has happened is that there is a resurrection, and it says the, they will all be resurrected, some to life and some to condemnation. Right. And that is something that is hard to think about. But this even happened right at the crucifixion. Like when that happened, hi, <laughs> um, when the crucifixion happened and the resurrection, all of this, we saw that people rose from the dead then. Yeah. They came out of the graves then even. And so this is already started. This is not something that um, only will come. This is already started happening. Mm-hmm. And so it just happened to start how many years ago? 2000 something? I don't know. I'm really bad. Yeah, of course. Sure. We're in 2020 yeah. or something, 2019. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> I don't even know what year it is. <laughs> This is what happens when you're living from the heavenly realms. Anyway. (laughs) So I don't know. Does that make sense? So the soul would actually reside with the body in the grave. And then the soul comes to meet the spirit when we meet him in the clouds. Am I I understanding that right? It's a good question. That is a good question. It's a great question. You know, I have some experience. I have some weird experience. (laughs) I guess I'll just talk in front of everyone. Everyone will know my life. Um, So last year I died. And um, uh, thankfully, Kim came shortly after that. And by that time, I was already resurrected, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, anyway, my husband, I died in his arms. There was a while. Anyway, when this happened, it was the most bizarre experience uh, because I didn't have the whole silver lining, white light, come to Jesus moment that everybody has. Um, I actually had pretty demonic time while I was out. And then um, when I came back, my spirit and my, okay, my soul and my body were together in this realm and my spirit started separating. And I didn't even know that was really possible until it happened to me. And uh, I still don't fully understand it, but I could see that my spirit wanted to be with my body and my soul, and that wasn't happening. And so what had happened at that point, the spirit of death was attacking me, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, and had a maybe won a battle but lost the war, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um But when this happened, I learned a lot about my soul and my body and my spirit and all of that and what it means to then kind of come back together as well. Because during the next three days, I had a time where I could come back together and where my soul could then engage in the heavenly places with my spirit. Now, why? I don't know how this happens, but somehow we're with our spirit now with our soul. Um, at least I, I know I am yep. because I've seen, now I've seen it, um, <laughs> that I am with my soul and my spirit. Many teachers talk about separating your soul and spirit, but they don't often talk about how they need to be remerged. Like it's important to know the difference between your soul and your spirit. Very important. And to yeah. allow the spirit to lead the soul and the body. But it's also important that they work together and that they are kind of one with each other. And so anyway, um, when someone dies in the body, like when I died in the body, 
um, that's what happened is there was a separation. My soul and my body were separated from my spirit when I died. And so that's what I think happens. I, I anybody knowing why this it's is fine. Okay. Anyway. Um, so <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't really say, Oh, here's the scripture on it, but this is my personal experience. And right. I really didn't expect that that would be the case. And even right after that, um, I heard the Lord speak to me and say, you will have a full resurrection in three days like Jesus. And I did not understand what that meant, but I trusted him. And then after three days, I did. I had a full resurrection. So where I was back connected with my spirit, my soul, and my body, and I was better than I was before. And so that was something that was powerful for me to go through and to understand more about who I was even and how things work with us engaging in heaven because I couldn't engage in heaven during that time. It was very strange. The Mm -hmm. only thing that I could do um, is Jesus would take me to take communion. He would take me to the Father's house to take communion, and that was the only place I could go in the heavenly realms for some reason. And so, um, but I could always go there. And I even asked, why can I go here and nowhere else? And the father said, you are always welcome in my house. And so I, I'm just saying, okay. So I went and I did communion all the time because I can't handle not engaging in heaven. <laughs> and so, Can I speak to something else? I feel like this needs to be said, and I don't know why no one talks about it, um, but death is a spirit. I mean, and it's not on our side. Okay. And it sure seems like, somewhere along the line, there has been this great deception that death will be our savior, that death is going to save us from this life and send us to Jesus when death cannot save us. Like it, we are partnering with the enemy 100% when we think that death is going to save us from whatever is going on anywhere. And I don't even know where it came in the church when it started, but everything New Testament is about life. Jesus gives life. He is life and he overcame death. Why did he have to overcome death if that is what's going to get us to him? You know what I mean? And so I just, I really need to put this out there because I feel like there, there's this big shroud that has been pulled over our eyes to make us think that this is what's going to save us. Um, And I know we all say, Jesus is our savior, but then we wait for death to save us to be able to go to him when he has been with us all along. He made it real clear in everything that he said about how we are in him. He is with us. He's going to send his spirit to be with us. Like we are with him already. There's talk about already being seated in the heavenly places. Like I was talking about, there's talk about being citizens of heaven where he resides, all of these things. And he has shown us nothing but life you know, um, and the death that he encountered was a hundred percent overcome. And it's spoken about all through scripture thereafter, then and thereafter. And so I think there has to come a time when we, as the church, as the body of Christ, we have to recognize that death has no part in our salvation. I, it's, you know? it's only been within like the last 100 years that evangelistic crusades have been a thing. Like traveling preachers, hosting tent revivals, coming up with this give your life to Jesus speech. And part of that whole evangelistic effort leans on the statement or the question, if you were to die 
in the next 30 seconds or tomorrow or next week, Mm -hmm. do you know where you would spend eternity? And they use death as a tool to consider the afterlife. And they make heaven something that exists after death. And they make hell something that exists after death. And so it seems as though the, the gateway into those either one of those realms um, is death. And that has been a major staple in the Christian church, especially in America, I'm sure all over the world. But right. it, this is how we receive the gospel, right? Like When you this, die, where are you going? Yeah, yeah or yeah. that's how people have preached the gospel. Evangelists have leaned on it for a long, long time. And so, yeah, it's you you then start to get into this mentality. It's like what you've, you know, you eat what you're fed when you're a kid kind of thing. And so, excuse me, now we're in a place to where we're really questioning, well, why do we believe this or why do we think this? And yeah, it's a really great question when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But then we think that, you know, oh, well, when I die, then this, that, and the other, except Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it abundantly. So that's, that's now. He didn't say, I came to give you life and give it when you die, right? <laughs> he he gave it, gives it to us now. And so there's something more to this Christian life. There's something more to being a son or a daughter of the living God um, right now while right. we still have breath in our lungs, while we're mind, body, and spirit on earth on this side of time. Right. There, There's so much more to it. We're not waiting through, like, with a D, way a D, way, way a D I N G. <laughs> we're not, we're not waiting through life just to get to death so we can have this afterlife. Honestly, I think, um, in this, I'm, I'm just going to call it the great deception. Cause I really feel like this is a thing. Um, I think that also what's happened is it's taken away some of the power we've been given to be able to build his kingdom here. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also something that he was really clear about. Um, and so when we, when we're just saying, oh, I just have to get through this. I just have to get through this until I can actually be with him. Number one, we're separating ourselves from him because we are with him now. We have to know that he is in us. We are in him, right? There's no when I get to be with him because we are with him. But what we have now is we have this tool of this body on the earth um, that we can use to help overcome the darkness that resides here. Um and to really start building his kingdom as he would have it. And so I think there's this advantage that we are kind of blinded to. We think, oh, this body, you know, if my body would just do this, if, you know, if I could just get to the place where I'm with Jesus all the time and all of these things, but really we're equipped here for this time, um, whenever it is that we're having this life. I mean, obviously people have come before us, people will come after us, but we're equipped for this time. And Christine was talking about destiny, um, the father has given us destiny. He put this in us before we were ever thought about, right? Like since creation, he's had this for us to accomplish. And if he didn't intend for us to accomplish it, he wouldn't have ever created it. And while we're here, we need to like really embrace who it is that he's made us here and who it is he's made us there. Um, So really stepping into your identity and not just saying, oh, well, I'm this brown haired girl in Kansas and you know I can't do as much as men can because I'm a woman all these things like these don't have to be limiters Mm -hmm. right he's equipped us for what we need to do and so there's there just has to come a point where we say no I'm not going to rely on this this end 
I'm going to live right now according to how he's made me to live, you know, and I'm going to do the things that he's leading me to do. And so I know that this is getting off the topic a bit of death, but I really think that in life and with our bodies here, there's so much to be accomplished and we have to partner with that. And we have to stop partnering with death and saying, yeah, you'll save me from this and I'll be there. No, we're with him. We're, he's guiding us. Just walk along that path, you know? Yeah. Well, he does. I mean, Jesus says to pray our, you know, um, our father in heaven, hallowed be the name that will be done or on earth as in heaven, right? Your kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, it's not thy will be done in heaven after earth passes away. You know, he has work to do here and now. And so his kingdom is here. Jesus came preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, saying the kingdom is here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what God is willing and what he is doing is happening right now. And so, yeah, somehow we've we've partnered with this later on. Well, okay, after or you know, in whatever, like after I die or in heaven, when I get to heaven, that kind of thing. And that kind of terminology, you don't, you, where in scripture does it say, well, when I get to heaven? I mean, that isn't even, that's not in there. Right. So, it's so limiting. Right. This is the thing we have, the power, we have the freedom in Christ already to be able to do all these things. You know, I think that's what I'm really getting at. Like there's no having to wait until you get this. Like it is there. He's, he gives you authority as you are mature enough to receive it. He gives you power as you're mature enough to use it, you know? And so let's get to the point where we can use it, <laughs> you know? True. True. Yeah. My new saying is, Lord, I can do more for you this side of the dirt than I can yeah. under the dirt. So um, <laughs> right. that goes exactly with what she's saying. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay. Cool beans. <laughs> we only took 20 minutes to answer your question. Sorry. <laughs> that was multifaceted. Um, I did want to say, though, Christine, with, with what happened with you, I think you said last year, when my memo, my memo passed away, I was in the room. I was one of my mother, myself, and my, my youngest son. And when she died, I was the only one that saw it. The hospice per- person didn't see it. My memo has never smoked a day in her life, never drank. And this perfect swirl if you could see me doing that this perfect mm-hmm. swirl of see-through smoke it was a it was only like this big it was not big at all it came out of her mouth <laughs> and she's never smoked and I'm like nobody saw that but me and I'm like okay that was for me like <laughs> this is well before I even saw any of your videos or even know what we're now embarking on right mm-hmm. and, um I guess that was I guess that was a separation I guess it was. Nobody else saw it. It's the craziest thing. I, it's hard to even explain, but um, yeah. It's weird. It's really yeah. interesting. No, I love I love hearing about that because I guess now that I've been through it, I'm just so interested in kind of what happens, right. <laughs> you know? It straight out of her mouth. And I was like, huh. it's only, it was only the thing. I'm like, <laughs> our spirits are small. Like maybe they're little. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, based off what you guys are saying, we're really big up there, but it's kind of a big deal. But, um, <laughs> what came out of her mouth was very, it was a very perfect. It was marble on the inside, white. It, everything was white, but it was like smoky, but then solid marble. It was just weird. It was weird. <laughs> she was, if it wasn't for my mama, right, I wouldn't be on my journey. And my children, even though they're being prodigal, they wouldn't be on theirs. 
That's right. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, cool. So any other questions for us? Um, no, I guess I'll let y'all answer some other people's questions. Since <laughs> now I know where to go to ask questions and things. <laughs> You're so fun. Uh, well, who knows if you'll actually get the answers you want, but we will answer. <laughs> okay. okay, so um, I had someone who sent in a lot of questions, which was awesome because we love questions. Um, so he said, what's the difference between trading in heaven versus on earth? How do I know I'm trading with God and not the enemy? So anybody want to tackle that? Uh, I would say, where are you focused? Um, really, is your spirit trading into what the Lord is doing at the same time your physical self is doing that here? Um, or are you just doing it because it's something to do? Um, probably, if you're not focused there, you're probably trading into the world. I would say absolutely. I think that that's it's kind of lined out in scripture like that when we talk about giving offerings all of that what's a good offering it's it's something where it's not out of compulsion and it is a cheerful Mm -hmm. gift and it's to the lord and so um i mean we've seen how some people's gifts were uh, cursed by god yeah they were scorned and it was because their heart wasn't turned toward him in giving the gift with a pure heart. And when I say pure heart, I don't mean perfect heart. I mean like, hey, God, this is my gift for you. Right. Not just, well, better do the fattened calf over here. Right. You know, I mean. I was just in Isaiah the other day. I really like camping out in Isaiah. I just, he's just kind of my people. Um, but I'm a talker and he's a people. But it was talking about, I mean, the Lord was saying to Israel, like, how many more times are you going to bring me all these fattened calves and these things for slaughter when you don't even care about it? I don't care about these. You can bring me the best all day long, but if your heart isn't in it, then I don't care about it. Um, and so they were going through the motions, and they were doing what they thought they were supposed to do. But when they're not truly giving it to the Lord because it is out of their heart um, and because they're truly wanting to give to him, it, it means nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just, um, for anyone who may not even understand the concept of trading, just kind of give a background. Um, so I really believe that everything that God has done has been a trade. You know, all of the offerings that he ever did, he said, if you do this, I will forgive your sins, right? Mm-hmm. He's done this all along. Jesus was the ultimate trade, it just traded everything for us, right? right. It was super huge redemption. He bought us. That's what it is. Um, but for us, we're not buying things. We can, God said, you know, what did he say? He said, um, buy from me. Do you remember the scripture you taught on? Mm-hmm. Okay. You could probably quote it better than me. What does it say? Uh, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, um, salve for your eyes and, uh, clothes, white robes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So essentially he was, he was saying, you think you're rich, and that term rich means fully resourced, he says, but you're actually poor, pitiable, um, blind, and naked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he says, so I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, sapphire eyes, and, and white robes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so essentially the 
<clears throat> the thought process there was like, well, if we're poor people, wretched, blind, and naked, how can we afford anything from Christ? Well, we bring all that we have, which is all of that, and he gives us all that he has, right? Mm-hmm. right? And so um, essentially in Christ, uh, we have access to all of God's glory and riches and wisdom and wealth and knowledge and ability and power, and it comes by coming as we are, right? Like we, we come humbly before the Lord, we present ourselves as a sacrifice, and then and then He gives us what He wants for us, and so we, we're essentially trading into what He desires for us by giving up what we have, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, what's mm-hmm. interesting is that I've seen how people will trade in the world systems by, you know, they will trade their time for money, then they will trade their money for goods and services. And it's just this ongoing cycle of I'll never have enough. Mm -hmm. And you will see millionaires who still never have enough, right? Right. And it's, it's because they're still trading in the world systems of I'm trying to get what I want and what I need, but I'm never being fulfilled. And even Christians, we can do that with um, our offerings to churches or people or whatever by going, God, I want something from you, so I'm going to give to this church because they said that if I give 10%, then I'm going to be blessed, right? I mean, whatever it might be. People say weird stuff all the time. And so you give, and you're not really giving because you love God. And you're not giving because Holy Spirit rose up in you and said, yes, that's what you need. <laughs> uh, I That's so funny. Anyway, um, I think it's so funny that God would say to us, come and I want to tell you what to give to me. I mean, every time I go on the trading floors in heaven, he tells me exactly what I need to give. Mm -hmm. And it might be give to Kim $10 or it might be, you know, that crown that I placed on your head in the spirit. I want you to give that crown to me. You know, he, it's always something different. Sometimes it's in the spirit. Sometimes it's in the physical. Most times it's both. And so I think that um, the powerful thing about trading is that we just go before the Lord and lay down whatever we can. And sometimes it's for something that Holy Spirit is, is like mm, having us trade for. And other times we don't know what we're trading for. We're just giving an offering to God. And then he always gives back to us more than we need. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I think it all has to do with intention. Like you said, it all has to do with focus. If you are giving to someone in the earth, you're doing a prophetic act. That's all it is. Everything we do in the earth is basically a prophetic act. I mean, we get up and we brush our teeth are we just brushing our teeth because we like to feel our teeth being clean or are we doing it to really do something good for the temple of God? You know, Mm -hmm. everything has an intention and everything has um, something that is for ourselves, for the world or for God. Mm -hmm. And it's just a mindset. And so I really think that if you question, am I really trading before the Lord? Well, it's a good thing to question your heart on it. If you're wondering, you may not be. Um, you just need to focus there and say, God, I don't know how to trade, but here, this is what I have. Right. You know, mm-hmm. he'll honor that. Anyway, that was uh, the first question. Okay, we have just a few more minutes, um, but let's 
go to the second question. Um, if I go to the mobile courts and I keep hearing the same accusations over and over, is that my soul? Is it not dealt with? What? And so I actually really love that question. Um, what, do you want to talk? Go ahead. I have a couple thoughts, I think. Go ahead. I think a couple different things. I think it's possible that it hasn't been dealt with completely. Um, you may have been before um, and pled guilty and gotten a verdict, but not had it um, filed away. Um, there's this step with the mobile courts where you go and you will take a judgment or a verdict to the court of scribes where they record it um, in the book of your life and other places sometimes. Um, so sometimes when you don't have things filed there, the verdict is there, but it's just hanging out somewhere. Um, and so you got to go get it applied to your life. The other thing I'm thinking is maybe you've done those things and um, you're sure you've taken care of it. But there are doors that we open time and time again, especially with some of, some of these familiar spirits. Like it's comfortable, we know, and then we fall back into the sin or we, we just open the door crack, but it's still opened a little enough for them to get in there and start jacking with you again, you know? Um, and so, yes, you have to go back and continue to deal with them and be aware of what these open doors are. I think um, even when you're doing that, you can you can ask the Lord to show you what those open doors are. Um, you can there are things that you can do where He can help you to keep the doors closed. Um, so it, I mean, it may be just a habit in your flesh. It may be a habit in your thoughts. It may be um, something that just brings you comfort, and you just slip back into it one point or another. But if the doors opened even a crack, the enemy will take all of that and come back at you. And so I think that's why sometimes things come up over and over and over again, even though, yes, you've gone through the process. Yes, the Lord says it's done. Um, but, oh, there's one other thing too. Sorry. That was first scenario. Maybe it wasn't completely completed. Redundant. Number two, maybe there's an open door. Number three, maybe the enemy is taking liberties um, because they know that you will allow it to. Um, so there are some familiar spirits who you may have a judgment against them and then they'll come and try to mess with you again. And if you don't take it back before the Lord and say, hey, you already said this isn't okay. They're coming back after me. I haven't opened any doors. Um, essentially, you're taking them for contempt of court. Mm -hmm. Um because it's already been ruled on. Um, but if you don't do that and you allow them to jack with you again, I don't know better words, apparently, um, then they'll take that inch and they'll do it. And essentially that winds up being an open door because you allow them that, uh, the ability, that permission to jack with you again. So I wanted to address, um, I think it was scenario number two, but I can't remember which is which. <laughs> um, but it was the one about uh, familiar spirits and these um, reopening the door over and over and all that. A lot of people deal with this. I mean, one of the most common that I see is the spirit of fear. Um, pretty much anyone who deals with the spirit of fear at all, um, it becomes a familiar for some reason. Right. And so... The, when something is a familiar spirit, it means that somehow you like take this on as your own personality because it is so familiar to you. And so basically 
you are being tricked into thinking that your identity is in that spirit. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, you're like, you might call it, I just have a lot of fear. It's my fear that was when I, a lot of times when you hear people using the words my something or I connecting themselves to it, that means it's a familiar spirit. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, the only way to get rid of it permanently, and even when I say permanently, it may not even be exactly permanently, but to really disassociate from that is to get a divorce decree. And most people don't know that. And so then they continue to go like every day and deal with fear again. And mm-hmm. why can't I get past this? There's this judgment. And it's because there was a covenant that was made somewhere along the line. Oh, and it so was true. sometimes you don't even mean to make this a covenant with someone, but it's like being married to the spirit. You've made a commitment to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's something that is so familiar to you that you have, you have married yourself to it. <laughs> and until you get a divorce decree from it, it won't be completely gone. And so anyway, I think that that's a really powerful thing that most people don't understand. Yeah. But then there's another thing. Um, sometimes we'll hear stuff in the courts that's bloodline stuff that we had nothing to do with. We're not reopening the doors. Like, for instance, Masons. I don't know how many times I've heard in my heart about or in the mobile courts about Freemasonry. Um, and our bloodline, that's a thing. Well, um, what the Lord has shown me is that sometimes I'm not truly repenting. I'm saying I'm guilty, but I'm not really repenting. Repenting is turning your heart completely Mm -hmm. around the other direction and coming to a higher way of thinking. And so no matter what it is, whether it's lies or whatever, I'll be like, yep, guilty. Okay. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And if I'm not going, God, I'm, I'm having nothing to do with that. Like, and you really change your mind about it and don't just go through the process, Mm -hmm. um, that that isn't actually dealt with. Mm -hmm. And so it has to do with coming to true repentance. And most people don't even, um, it's like they think about repentance in, in general, like, okay, God, I'm such a sinner, so I repent from sinning. And repentance is about really owning the sin and coming to a, a totally different way of functioning. And so for me, I might go, oh yeah, that's in my bloodline. Okay, well, I don't want anything to do with that. Fine. But I'm not taking it on as my own, which is what they're saying is that I'm guilty of this because in because it's in my bloodline. So I need to take this sin on as my own and truly repent, have a repentant heart for that sin and say, I don't want to partner with that. I am totally going your way, God. And that's something that if you don't do that, you might hear it over and over. And it might be even different facets of things, you know, it might be one day you're hearing about adultery and the other day, the other time you're hearing about, you know, promiscuity, they're close, not exactly the same. And so you can have repentance that isn't fully um, encompassing all of it because different spirits are attached to each of these things too. So anyway, that would be my two cents on that. I just had a quick thought. Sure. I think you mentioned at the beginning, but yeah, I would just say, take those things and really, I guess maybe even one by one, ask the Lord about them. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I've heard these five things. Let's go one by one and show me, Lord, right? Yes. And, you know, is it me? Is it bloodline? Is it just a door? Just like you said, have him reveal more to you about it. And then you were talking about familiar spirits and just reminding me of the scripture that 
it says uh, that we have uh, divine power to demolish strongholds. Mm-hmm. And so I think those familiar spirits are also strongholds where mm-hmm. we've essentially partnered with those things and make, made them a part of ourself so that uh, we don't ever really see ourselves truly apart from them, right? So like, right. oh, I'm just a fearful person or, oh, I just, you know, I, I just have depression. That's who I am. And you take it on as identity becomes mm-hmm. a stronghold, right? right? But right. we have to rem- remember there's the divine power to demolish strongholds. It's what the Lord gives us and he's given us a way. And it's, again, by going to him, um, yeah, the court cases, but also allowing him to minister to you right. specifically mm-hmm. in those way, you know. Mm-hmm. to those things. Right. And there's so much about identity with this. Like I talked about this before, but he has this identity for us. We have to ask. Sometimes we don't have to ask. I mean, but he will reveal this to us. Right. And there's who he created us to be. And then there's these things that are saying, this is part of who you are. So essentially like when you're saying you're making this covenant commitment with them, I'm essentially saying, Oh, my name is Kimberly fear. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm taking this on as my name, as my identity. When I married Jason, I took on a different identity. My last name changed to Villanueva, you know? And so that was a change in my identity at that point. And what these things do is they say, no, I'm a part of you. This is part of who you are. And so you say, yeah, I guess I'm just a fearful person. Yeah, I guess I just have anxiety. Yeah, I guess I just am, I have fear of man. And so you're you're saying these things and you're taking them on as though they're your own when someone has put it on you. Mm-hmm. And what you really need to do is just acknowledge it and turn from it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, I think it's about time for us to wrap up. Trisha, thank you so much for being on with yes, us tonight. Thanks, Trisha. And nice to meet you. So much. Nice, <laughs> nice to meet your silhouette. We've only <laughs> seen... We, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. My phone is cracked. Nine ways oh, is that go. what it is? Ah, I see. Okay. <laughs> no matter what I do, that's why my pictures all look cute and stuff. But <laughs> well, it's been awesome to have you on, and I hope that uh, we'll get to see you more in the future. Yes. And I know that. Um, We just love being able to help people grow. And so I hope that anyone who's listening knows if you need anything, get a hold of us somehow. Go to thesourcewichita.com and email or something. Um, There's a contact us page you can email. Hey, we finally have it set up to where it's not going to some sort of weird place. So Hooray for that. Yeah. We can actually be contacted. It's a miracle. Yeah, you can contact us. Um, (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) but we appreciate everyone who um who sows into the kingdom builders um ministry ministry we know that what god is doing um with us is not just with us it's worldwide it is with so many in the body who are getting connected and coming after their own mandates and calls and it's just really exciting it really is exciting and you know it's it's cool because the lord the Lord told us a while ago that our ministry would be global. And if you know anything about the source, our congregation's not huge. We don't come from this big mega church or anything like that. 
Um, but our hearts are pointed toward the Lord. And so what he's shown us um, is that a lot of the ministry that we're going to be doing is coming under people to help lift them up into who they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be doing, um, helping them find their identity in the Lord, all of these things. So truly know when we say we want to help you in this stuff, don't be shy. Let us know what we can do to try to help. um, And we'll do whatever we can to try to lift you up. Absolutely. Yes, we will. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, everybody. It's been an awesome night. Again, if you want to join in on these podcasts, go to kingdombuilders.thesourcewichita.com and get started. Tier two and up. Tier two and up. Tier two. I don't have two tiers in my eyes. They're just two different. I could pinch you and then you'd have two tiers in your eyes. (laughs) I would. Y'all are funny. (laughs) All right. We love y'all. Have a great night. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.